The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, they sang in the first service also, and I mentioned uh, it's just a blessing to have Miss Kay and Brother Terry be able to sing and play for us. Miss Kay was supposed to sing a couple weeks ago and then had to have this surgery on her mouth, and so I'm just thankful that she's able to feel well enough to be able to do that again for us this morning, and they're grateful for that. Sure is a blessing for sure. Uh, We're going to be found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 this morning, and in 1 Corinthians 3, we begin to see how Paul is continuing on uh, as he's discussing some of the issues that uh, the believers there at the church at Corinth were having, and uh, we've entitled the entire series as we study through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've entitled it Reset, and the purpose for that is because as Paul had come to Corinth and helped uh, to share the gospel with those there. Many had gotten saved. A church was being established. And it started off really well. It started off with a, with a lot of good things taking place. Many, many people were coming to know Christ as their Savior. Unfortunately, as though as time has went on, some issues started to arise in the church that were causing divisions. First, verse number 11 in chapter 1 actually literally says there's contentions among them. And uh, so they had kind of gotten their eyes off of the Lord. They've gotten their focus on something else other than what mattered most uh, for the will and the work of the Lord. And so Paul is used by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be able to write to this church to try to help them get back on track, to reset, reset their eyes, their heart, their focus back on the Lord. And in the first few verses, we find, in fact, that he focuses on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that's the key, right? If we're going to have our heart where it ought to be and our focus where it ought to be, it starts with a proper focus on Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll, be, I'll draw all men unto me. Not if we lift up our ideas or opinions or our preferences, but if, we, if, I, if I'm lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so Paul, over and over in the first three verses of chapter one, references our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to refocus our heart and our mind on him. Then in several, for the next several verses, he takes time to be able to share a prayer of gratitude for the church at Corinth. Now, we've already discussed the church at Corinth was not perfect, and they had plenty of problems. But even in the midst of their problems and their imperfection, Paul was able to have thanksgiving and gratitude for them. And it's really hard to have a heart and a mind that's going to be reset to the things of God when we're not grateful for what He's done for us, when we're not recognizing how He's still working, even in the the difficult times. He's still there, and he's still working, and we need to have a heart of gratitude. But then, of course, beginning there about verse 10 of chapter 1 or so, and into verse 11 and so on, Paul begins to discuss these contentions, to discuss these problems and these bickerings they were having. And he talks about particular things that were, were issues, One being a focus on temporal things instead of eternal, right? And where they were focusing on uh, man's ability over God's ability. And where they're focusing on uh, man's message over God's message and man's future over God's future. Those types of things, we've discussed that. He then went on to uh, uh, implore the believers in Corinth that, hey, you already have everything you need to be able to live the Christian life. You have everything you need to be able to accomplish the work of the Lord and to know the will of the Lord 
Lord because you have the Holy Spirit, right? And the last part of chapter 2 talks about that. The Spirit guides us and He makes known unto us the ways of God where the natural man would not know otherwise. Then, of course, now, though, in chapter 3, he's going to begin to focus on kind of a complete overview of what would cause those current other divisions that we were talking about. What causes someone to have a temporal focus instead of an eternal focus? What causes someone to focus on man's ability over God's and so forth? Well, if we could sum it up in one word, you probably picked up on it at the end of last week, and you'll definitely see it start on display this week. If we could de- nail it down to one word, what would cause those kind of contentions? One word is this, immaturity. Immaturity as a believer. Now, it's funny that as I continue on in ministry, I mean, many of you know my testimony. I was, I, my parents were saved when I was three, so I've been in church my entire life. I trusted Christ as my own personal Savior, uh, savior at six, and, uh, and uh, of course, just have been in church my entire life. But it's interesting, just because you've been in church your entire life does not make you a mature believer. And I have been actually heartbroken at times, because I've seen people that I thought were mature believers display that they were very immature by the way that they acted and reacted and, and just handled themselves in certain situations. And Paul is going to discuss this with this church. Now, I want to remind you that as Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration, right? And he says this also, it's profitable. What's it profitable for? Well, one thing it's profitable for is doctrine. We know that. That's, that's our beliefs. That's our teachings, right? But it also says it's profitable for doctrine, but it's also profitable for correction and for reproof. This portion of Scripture is one of those times where it's profitable for correction and for reproof. And I'm going to be as kind as, and as grace-filled as possible this morning, but I'm also going to be straightforward in stating what the Bible declares, Amen. that sometimes... We're not as mature as we ought to be as believers, and the Lord desires for us to grow. And so I want you to join me, join me in 1 Corinthians 3 in verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says this, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." Our Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, and we ask now that you would guide us. I ask that you direct our, our thoughts and our hearts this morning, that your Spirit would guide us in all truth as you promised. Lord, that you'd give me the words to speak as I deliver the message here this morning. We honor and glorify you through everything that is said and done, and we do ask that your will would be accomplished through our lives. For our guests that are with us this morning, we're thankful for their, their participation in, in our worship to you this morning. Uh, Lord, for those who might be out for this holiday weekend, Lord, and they might even be checking out online and, and, and watching with us there. We are thankful for that, thankful for a time of rest and, and, a, and a time away. But Lord, as we focus here this morning on your word, would you guide us? Would you, would you, just, would you accomplish your work in our life? And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remind of the story of the old boy who went off to work one day, and he walked into work carrying a dozen donuts in his hand. As he walked into work, his coworker looked at him and said, hey, bud, I thought you were on a diet. He said, well, he said, I am. He said, but here's the thing. I'm a Christian, and I think that every part of my life should be led by the guiding of God himself. So as I pulled out of the house this morning, I turned the corner. Right there was the donut shop. 
And I thought to myself, I wonder what the Lord would think about my diet. So I prayed and said, God, if you'd like my diet today to involve donuts, please, Lord, allow there to be a spot right there in the front of the, of the donut shop door to be available so that I just pull right in, walk right in, get my donuts that I want, and I will know it is your will. You have provided. That's the sign that you want me to have donuts today. So he's standing there with a dozen donuts in his hand. So his coworker says, so the Lord answered your prayer. There was an a open spot right in, front, in, the front, in front of the door when you pulled in. He said, yes, eight trips around the building. And finally, a spot <laughs> opened up right there. And uh, sometimes we uh, just kind of sabotage our own, our own physical health in that way as well. According to the Academy of Nutrition, it says children and teens need the right fuel for growing, learning, and developing. This means your kids need food and beverages with plenty of nutrients and not too many calories, fats, and sugars, providing a strong foundation for a healthy life. The secret to feeding a healthy family is to serve delicious, nutrient-rich foods at every meal and snack. When children fill up on the right stuff, high-quality nutrition for their bodies and brains, they will naturally have less room for nutrient-poor choices like soft drinks, chips, candy, and desserts. And as I read that, you know what I hear? I hear... Want, 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 like uh, Charlie Brown, right? But in all seriousness, the only reason I share those two stories and read that is because we all understand that as our bodies grow from uh, a, a little baby into our, our elementary age years and the adolescence and teenagers and into adulthood, we realize the effect that the food that we put into our bodies has on how it operates and how it functions. We, we understand that, right? The food we put in directly affects how our body is able to function. And God has created our bodies a certain way. It, we need calories and fats and, and carbohydrates and all of those types of things and proteins. We, we understand we, that our body uses those things as God has designed it. But we also understand if we don't have a proper balance in those things, then it will affect how our body operates. And the only reason I share that today is not because this is a message on health physically, but it is to say that just like our bodies have to be fed the right nutrition in order for it to operate correctly. Our spiritual lives also need to be fed the right nutrition, spiritually speaking, in order for us to, to uh, be optimal in our spiritual growth. The, this isn't the only place that the Bible uses food, physical food, as an illustration for the need of spiritual food. The Bible literally calls, uh, Jesus himself said this, I am the bread of life, right? The Bible says in 1 Peter that the men would desire this sincere milk of the word that they might grow thereby as well. So this is something that the scripture uses as something physical, something tangible that we can know and understand to help us understand a spiritual implication about that as well. And Paul has already established in our studies here the contrast between two individuals, the natural man and the spiritual man. And in this passage here before us in chapter 3, he begins to discuss the condition of the Corinthian believers and the reason for his need to write to them in such a way. Here in the first two verses, we find that he presents the facts of their immaturity. And then in verses 3 and 4, he presents the evidences of their immaturity as well. Paul literally states these words in verse number 1. And I, brethren, what? Could not speak unto you. 
What he's saying there is, I desired to be able to deliver a truth from the Word of God, a truth from God to a certain level, to a certain degree, but I could not because your immaturity had blocked the ability for your understanding. You had not grown to the point to where you would have been able to understand and comprehend and to receive the word that I would have liked to have been able to deliver to you. Now, what was the Corinthian church's condition? Well, first off, look at verse number one here. Uh, again, it says, and I, what's the word there? That's the third word in the verse. Brethren, what does that word tell us? That the, the people at the church at Corinth were saved believers. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. The fact of the matter is, is this is a letter that was written to a church. And a church is a made, up, made up of a body of believers. And so those two things alone reference the fact that Paul is discussing this and he is referencing this to believers. But notice though, that they were brothers in Christ, they belonged to the groups of the two different people, right? Natural or spiritual. They belonged to the group of spiritual. But although they belonged to the group of spiritual, they were not functioning as, uh, like they should have in that group. They were more social, closely associated with that of the natural in the flesh instead of the, that of the spiritual. Because notice these words, he, these comparative words as he goes along, as he used the comparative word as. He says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you, here's our word, as unto what? Spiritual. So he says, hey, I'd like to, but I couldn't have spoken to you as the spiritual. You're not spiritual. So he was forced to speak to them as a group that they were not actually a part of. Here we go on again. As unto spiritual, but as unto, what's the word? Carnal. That word carnal, it means to be made up of the flesh, consisting of the materials of the flesh. And we understand that Paul would write in Romans that our, our lives war daily against the spirit, against the flesh. And we're called, Jesus Christ himself called us to take up our cross daily and follow him. We're gonna, we have to crucify the flesh daily. We understand that. And so we find that what he's saying here is that he's talking to believers that he should be able to discuss freely the matters of spirituality and the things of God. But he's having to approach them as if they were those who had no idea of spiritual matters because they were closer to carnal in their actions than they were of spiritual, and, and then closer to carnal in their understandings even, and then that of spiritual. Notice he goes on even to further to clarify it. But as unto carnal, even as, there's our comparative word again, unto what? Babes. Babes. He says, you're literally like very small children spiritually. This clearly implies that the Corinthians had experienced the new birth. They were not unbelievers. They were not completely in their natural state any longer. They had been redeemed. They had experienced the new birth. But the normal progression uh, from the natural man through conversion to babe in Christ and followed by what would be natural growth as a believer was stunted. It was not as... as, uh, as it wasn't operating like it should have. Now, let me say this this morning, that there's nothing wrong with starting out the Christian life as a Christian infant. That's where everybody starts. 
Everyone, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, starts as a baby in Christ. And there's nothing wrong with starting there. Infancy is a normal stage of life. But Paul is not saying that they were babes because they just came to know Christ. In fact, we see at the latter part of verse number two that they're still not even able to bear it. So the problem was that they hadn't grown like the Lord would desire them to grow. Now, my friends, before I go any further, let me say this. Every single one of us have different patterns of growth and different stages of growth in our Christian life. All right? I'll put it to you clearly like this. You can look at me today and you can know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that I'm never going to have a career in the NBA. I don't know why you would think that. Like, what makes you think I would never have a career in the NBA? Maybe something about my height. I don't know, right? But I, I, I just, my genetics are as such that I have, I've, I'm done growing in my age and all of that, right? I'm not getting any taller, and that's the way that God made me, all right? Now, Colton, come here, Colton. How old are you, Colton? Come here. 14. 14. I'm 36. All right. He's, all, he's growing still. He's probably going to grow a little bit more. And if Kyle was here, I'd throw him up here because he's even a bit taller than I. Right. He's probably still going to grow some more. That's the way God created him. And this is the way God created me. And spiritually speaking, God has a plan and a process for your spiritual growth as well. And let me remind you that no matter how old you are, no matter how long, how long you've been saved, you should never stop growing as a Christian. But we ought to allow the Lord to mold us, as the song sang this morning, it was this morning and make us His desires that He would transform us and conform us into the image of His Son. And that is a lifelong process. The issue was, thank you, Colton, the issue was that the church at Corinth, many of the believers there, their actions and their desires were the reason for the lack of growth, not because of the process through which God was trying to bring them through. You could say it this way. I mentioned the diet and how we sabotage our our own physical life sometimes. We could say, spiritually speaking, the church at Corinth had a disastrous diet. And notice with me, number one, this morning, their disastrous diet declared. In verse number one, we read again, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So Paul here is speaking with such, he's saying he has to speak with such simplicity in his preaching and his teaching to the Corinthians because they were carnal. Uh, To use another figure of speech, he says that they were babes spiritually. They had not grown up. And let me say this this morning, that Paul, when he came to the church or to the city of Corinth, he began to preach the gospel and people responded to the gospel message and trusted Christ as their Savior, yes, Paul found them. Paul found them as babes. That was the starting point, right? He didn't walk into Corinth and find 80-year-old believers, like, in their spiritual life. These were people in a Gentile world, in a pagan world, that hadn't known anything about Christ, really. And so his declaration of the gospel to them is what brought them to a saving knowledge of Christ, and they started right where God expects them to start as babes in Christ. Now, let me say this. Brand new babies, newborn babies, they're cute, aren't they? Man, they're cute. The uh, Norris has just had uh, their baby on Wednesday night, late evening. We were here on Wednesday night service and we're out that prayer meeting and that, that time. And I said, uh, 
I don't, I haven't heard anything. I don't think she's had the baby yet, you know, so let's go ahead and pray that that goes well. And was it like 14 hours or something like that and 11 hours in labor or something crazy and a lot of time in the hospital room and all of that. But finally, late Wednesday night, the baby came into the world, right? So Thursday night, Jen and I go to the hospital and we check out the, the new baby, and we hold the new baby, and get pictures taken with the new baby, and, and uh, pray with, with the new baby, and all that. We walk out of the, the hospital room, and Jen grabs my arm, and says, oh, the little baby. And I said, yeah, just, just, just volunteer to babysit, okay? Just or don't, go, don't, get any, don't get any ideas, right? Uh, but uh, man, uh, uh, new babies around, everybody oohs and ahs, and all that. New babies are cute. And can I say this? that new baby Christians are just as awesome. Man, it's awesome to, to know someone that's just come to know Christ as their personal Savior, and everything about the Christian life is just new to them, right? I love it when I'm, I, I know that there's a new Christian in the church, and I'm preaching or, or maybe teaching the Word of God, and you can see it on their face. It's like, ding, light bulb goes off, you know what I mean? It's like they're finally understanding it, and they're getting new things. It's also awesome. I laugh at it, and because it's awesome when you get around a new Christian, and they're just so used to their old life, and maybe sometimes a curse word slips out, and they're like, and like I never, I never like, what's wrong with you? I can't believe you speak like that in front of me. Like, they're still learning, right? And, 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 they're, and they're, they're, they're trying, but what happened was the Holy Spirit just spoke to their heart and helped them to understand, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. That's cute, honestly. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome to see a new believer and how they're growing. Spiritual babies are cute, but they're not supposed to remain spiritual babies. See, when a Christian comes, comes to know Christ as their Savior, they're birthed into the kingdom. They come, into the new, they come in as newborn babes in Jesus Christ, and then a natural growth process ought to take place. But my friends, let me tell you this this morning, that when we refuse or have no desire to allow the Lord to work in our lives to where we would grow, I submit to you this morning that that is sin. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin, the Bible tells us. For those of us who know to do good and do it not to him, it is sin. And so for to have a to have no desire to yield to the Lord, to have no desire to allow the Lord to work in our life to grow us, I believe it is sin. Every day we're going to battle with the flesh, and I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to crucify the flesh. Romans 6 and verse 6 says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. If you may, it's as if when we trust Christ as our Savior, that God comes and he puts, he shifted the power of sin into neutral by putting in his spirit into our life. He's delivered us from the penalty of sin by dying for you and I. And now he's delivered us from the power of sin by coming to be able to live inside of our lives with, by, as the Holy Spirit. And as we learn to yield to him, we learn to experience the victories that he's already given us through his crucified life and his resurrection. I can no longer be as a Christian. I can no longer be in the flesh but I can still live after the flesh. My whole, my whole person has completely changed, but I can still have an appetite for the things that I used to have an appetite for. 
And since chapter 1 and verse number 10, Paul has been just over and over and over again discussing the immaturity of a believer and where it's found. It's found in when we latch on to others instead of latching on to Christ. Hey, a newborn baby, they have to have their, their, their mother to survive, don't they? They need the father to survive. Newborn babies, when they're held, sometimes you lay them down in the crib and they immediately start crying. Why? Well, they need a diaper change. No, they don't need a diaper change. Well, they're hungry. No, they're not hungry. Uh, why are they crying? They just want to be held. They want to cling to someone else. See, part of the, the immaturity of the believers at Corinth was being displayed in their necessity to cling to somebody else. Back in chapter 1, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Peter. See, they were clinging to someone else, and their immaturity was showing. And because of that, Paul was saying, hey, I'd like to help you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. I'd like to help you grow deeper in the, in the things of God. But unfortunately, you're still as like a baby, and I'd have to feed you as if it was just milk and not meat. See, the problem, many churches still today are just like this. And let me say this bluntly, not, not angrily, not, not, uh, not, not getting on anyone or anything like that, but let me just be blunt about it today. That unfortunately in many churches today, a lot of people that sit in the pews still belong in the nursery, spiritually speaking. They still belong in their nursery, sucking their, their thumbs of selfishness, clinging on to that teddy bear of materialism, because they've not grown past what matters most, and that's the things of God. And they're still trying to just go through life the way that they've always known it. Paul says, hey, here's their, their disastrous diet declared. But secondly, notice their disastrous diet's deficiency in verse number two. I fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Paul had to give the, the church at Corinth a simple spiritual diet because they were unable to digest anything more profound or more advanced in its teaching. So Paul found them as babes, and the deficiency of their diet meant that he had to also feed them as babes. See, he said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Now that's an, a tremendous analogy, no doubt, because we completely understand that. I can think back of my own children growing and such. It would have been a whole lot easier on my wife making dinner and such like that, if all she had to do was make one meal. But as they're babies, you have to get the milk or the formula, or maybe you've got to get the, the, uh, the baby food, and sometimes you're going to warm it up, and you've got to do this or that, and there's all kinds of craziness. No, what would have been awesome is if, as, as Cade or Carolyn or Claire, they're like one years old, and I'm holding them in my arm, if while I'm eating that turkey leg, I can just let them eat off the other side. Like, that would be awesome, Right? But we know it doesn't work that way because they can't, they don't have, sometimes they have teeth, they're not able to digest those things yet. And Paul says, spiritually speaking, you aren't able to, you're not to the point where you could digest the meat of the word. I have to, I have to water it down. I've got to do, give it to you as milk. You weren't able to handle it otherwise. Now, let me make sure that you understand something this morning. It doesn't mean that Paul taught them one thing and taught others something else. What this means is that as brand new babes, they had to stay on the surface of all of the truths that were being taught. I'll illustrate it like this. How many of you know today that we have salvation based off of the atonement of Jesus Christ, right? 
So if I were to ask someone, and maybe they were a brand new Christian, and ask them, explain to me what it means to have be, be provided the atonement of Jesus Christ. And they say, well, it means that Jesus Christ died for me. That's an awesome answer. That's a great answer. That is a correct answer. But it is a very surface level answer. And that's okay. You know what? I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ provided salvation that's simple. I don't have to know everything about God to be able to know him. It's, it's simple enough to know that he died for me, he was buried, and he rose again. And if I trust him, he saves me. That's, that's enough. That's simple enough to know that. However, though, he also desires that I would continue to grow deeper in my relationship with him and to have a better understanding of all that he done. So maybe I go to someone else, and they're a little bit more mature, and I say, hey, why don't you tell me a little bit about the atonement of Jesus Christ? And they say, well, Jesus Christ died for me, yes, but um, let's, uh, let's see. In his atonement, he provided justification. And, and, and so when he atoned for my sin, God the Father looks at me now just like I've never sinned ever before. And he provided justification for me. And maybe somebody, you would talk to him, he said, well, go further. You know, what else would you say about the atonement and what it does for the believer? Well, it brings sanctification where God has literally set me apart. He set me apart and given me a place in heaven. He set me apart to where he's helping me to grow and making me uh, into the form and fashion of his son. Maybe, uh, you know, well, how, what about his atonement? Oh, it was his substitution for me. Well, what does that mean? He hung on the cross and paid my penalty so I didn't have to. You see where I'm coming from? Jesus died for me. That's true. That is what he did to bring atonement for us. But it, there's, there's a whole lot more implications than that as well. And God desires that we would know those things. But we only know those things if we grow. We can't properly understand them if we don't grow. And Paul says, when, when I was with you, Corinthian believers, when I was with you, I didn't sacrifice any of the teachings of God's word, but at the same time, I couldn't give you the solid food because you weren't ready for it. You weren't able to receive it. And the problem still remains and is present in our churches today as well. See, God forbid a pastor put up, start a series on doctrines of the Bible. Because then as he's going through the doc those doctrines, people sit in the pew and they snore. And they say, oh, that preacher is just boring. He's not boring, my friends. There's a spiritual condition that is pr the problem. And we need to learn to grow. Lastly, notice this, their disastrous diet's duration. The last, verse of number two, ver last part of verse number two says this. He says, uh, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, but it goes on even further. Neither yet now are ye able this isn't like Paul saying, hey, yeah, I came to Corinth and I brought the word of God to you, the gospel, you trusted Christ and you were babes then, and may, man, look how far you've come. No, he's saying, you were babes then, and unfortunately, you're still babes now. You couldn't bear it then when you first came to know Christ, and unfortunately, you still can't bear it today because you've not grown. Growth is not only commanded by God, but it enables us by His Spirit, to live for Him. It is what helps us to be able to know His Word and to know His ways. Listen, my friends, my desire, and I think that God's desire for every believer is to have such a wrap on what you believe that it goes further than just, I believe it because my pastor said so. 
Listen, my friends, we need to be able to be like the Bereans in the Scripture and search the Scriptures and study it daily to know whether or not what is being preached from this pulpit is truly in the Word of God or not. What's being taught from the Sunday school class is truly in the Word of God or not. And farther beyond that, what's on the TV or what's on the radio or what's in that book or whatever the case might be, we ought to be able to know because we know the Word of God and we've grown as believers and the Holy Spirit is guiding us, we ought to be able to understand whether or not what we're hearing and reading and being, uh, uh, being influenced by is truth or not. Amen. Children are gullible. I had a friend when I was growing up, probably like seven years old. He'd go to the grocery store or go down to the gas station. He'd buy that 25-cent pack of gum that had five sticks of gum in it. And then he'd go into his neighborhood to the other seven-year-olds and sell each stick for 25 cents apiece. <laughs> Children are gullible. They don't recognize that they were being taken by this other kid. The best thing about it is that kid now is the pastor of the church I grew up in. So, hey, why don't you know about that? But what I'm saying is, hey, children, you ever heard the, 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 the phrase? It's like taking candy from a Why? Because they don't know any better. I've watched children try to, 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 share, to, to like trade $50 worth of items for a bag of chips that you could buy for a dollar at the store. Like, what kind of craziness is this, you know? They, they're, they're gullible. They don't, they don't re recognize the value. Paul's saying, listen, don't be gullible like a child in your faith. You need to grow. You need to allow the Lord to work in your life to help you to grow. We ought to train our senses in the word of righteousness and walk in the sufficiency of Christ. Remember, we have everything we need to be able to know what God wants. What is that? The Holy Spirit. Paul's just said that in chapter two at the end. He's declared that already. The Spirit guides us. The natural man, he doesn't understand the things of, the, uh, uh, of God, but the Spirit reveals all things to us as believers. The problem still remains today, just like in Corinthians, the day of the Corinthians though also. I've known people that have been on the church roll for decades, but they, know more, they don't know any more about the things of God than a person that was just saved yesterday. And that's such a sad statement, such a sad idea to think that people would not grow in their relationship with the Lord and in their maturity with the Lord. I have a, I have a hunch that as soon as we, we're talking about diets, right? Talking about food. I'm sure some of your, your stomachs are growling already this, mor this, uh, this morning as we close into the end. I have a hunch though, that after we close in prayer and everyone leaves, you're probably going to go get some lunch. I'd probably be accurate in saying the majority of us, and probably 99% of us at least, are going to do that. You might go out to the restaurant. You might go home and eat. You might even already have something ready at home, right? In the crock pot, ready, cooking, all that type of thing. But you're going to go home and eat. I know exactly what's on the menu also. You're going to go over to Culver's, or you're going to go out to Chili's, or you're going to go home, and, and in the crock pot already, you're going to order you a, a side order of baby food. That's, that's, what you're, that's what it is, right? That's what's what on, on your menu today, right? Wait, wait, wait. You're trying to tell me that you're, you don't make it a habit of eating baby food as an adult any longer? Well, it's good enough for our babies, right, Brother Kyle? It's good enough for the little ones. Why isn't it good enough for me? In fact, forget a steak. Just give me a good old spoonful of baby food. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff right there. 
that's going to fuel the workout. Full of protein, carbohydrates to give me energy. Yeah, that's obviously we're not making this our diet anymore. We might have enjoyed it as a child. I don't know if I enjoyed it or not. You might have, but this isn't on the menu any longer because it's not sufficient to fuel us anymore. It's not sufficient so that we might be able to operate in our body like we should anymore. And neither is the little Sunday school flannel graphs sufficient for us as Christians anymore as adults. Neither is the little puppet shows sufficient for us as adults any longer. As Christians, we constantly should be desiring to yield to the Lord to allow Him to help us to grow. Let me, let me say it again. If you are not where I am, that doesn't mean you're in sin. It just, the, the key is, am I maturing and am I yielding to the Lord to let Him to grow me and to mold me where He wants me to be right now? I can't answer that for you. Only you and God can answer that. But I can promise you this, if we have zero desire for things of God, zero desire to grow, we're not where we should be. If we've come to the point where we feel like we've arrived, (laughs) we're way far from where we should be because none of us have. Day by day, moment by moment, Lord, would you guide me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me to grow? Desiring to get past the mush of baby food to just the liquid form of milk to be able to have the meat of the word. Why was the, what, was, what was causing problems in the church at Corinth? Immaturity. And the immaturity was marked by a disastrous diet. Would you stand to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we have this time of invitation? And Brother Robert, if you could cue up some music from back there, please. Before we have this time of invitation, I want to ask us simple, just three simple questions. And out of respect of others, if with our head bowed and eyes closed, if if you're here this morning and you know Christ as your personal Savior, you know that you've been saved and, and you know that heaven's your home, uh, that you would spend eternity with our Lord and Savior forever and ever, could I just rejoice with you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down as a testimony of that? I know I'm saved. I know that Christ is my Savior. Praise the Lord for that. Hands all across the auditorium. I'm glad to be in the presence of other believers this morning. But I wonder, would there be anyone here this morning who'd just be honest enough to say, Pastor, as you're talking about the, you know, growing as a, as a Christian and spiritual baby food and meat and all those types of things. Honestly, I don't know that there's ever been a time where I've trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. You know what? This, this whole idea of a baby and growth and all of that, Jesus himself even referenced this. In John chapter 3, he's speaking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, Nicodemus thought, how am I going to go back into my mother's womb as an adult and be born a second time? But Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth. Ephesians 4 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But those of us who know Christ as our Savior, He's quickened us. He's made us alive, and He's given us that new birth, that new life. Maybe you're here this morning, and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven's my home. I don't know that I've ever been born again. Could I just pray for you this morning? Would you slip your hand up and write back down if that's you, Pastor? I don't know that I'm saved. Please pray for me, please. Then one last question. Who here would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved and 
And I'm not going to sit here and say that you're, you don't have any desire to grow or anything like that, but maybe you're here this morning and you would just be honest enough to admit that there are times where maybe I don't yield to the Lord like I should. I don't have that desire like I should to grow. I've kind of gotten complacent in where I am in my spiritual life. I'm just maybe in a rut. I know I'm in a rut. I'm in a rut in my spiritual life. Who here would say, Pastor, I, at least I know this. I know that there's more that God wants me to know about Him. There's more that the Lord wants me to know in growing in Him. And Pastor, would you pray with me that I would always desire that and yield to Him in that? Could I pray with you? Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Hands all across the auditorium. Praise the Lord for that. I'm going to pray. When I'm finished praying, the music's going to play a little louder than it is now. And if you'd like to come to the front here at the altar, you're welcome. Or maybe right there in your seat, you lift up your heart in response to the Lord's word here this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your work in our life. Would you now, Lord, just have your will and your way in this invitation? And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As that music uh, is playing a little louder here this morning, maybe you'd like here to come to the front. Maybe you'd like to right there in your seat. Just lift up your heart to the Lord as as he uh, has spoken to you through his word here this morning. We'll have just a simple time of invitation quickly, and then we'll be dismissed this morning. But I pray that we'll all respond as the Lord has used his word to speak to our hearts. grateful that you're with us this morning. We're able to worship the Lord with us as well. If you're a guest here this morning, we thank you for being with us. want to give you a gift on your way out. If you'll stop at the welcome desk, we put that in your hand. Just like to be able to meet you and thank you again for being a part of our services today. But I hope that you have a wonderful afternoon. If you're able to be back here tonight at six for our evening service, we'll be studying through the book of Luke still tonight. And uh, then of course, I know tomorrow, Labor Day, and some of you might have the day off or might have plans for different things. And so I ask that and pray that the Lord would bless that. And I uh, just give you a wonderful time and whatever you might have planned for all of that tomorrow as well. We're going to pray this morning and ask the Lord to bless as we are dismissed. I'm going to ask Brother Kyle Norris, if he wouldn't mind, uh, to pray and uh, ask the Lord to bless us as we go. And we'll be out in the lobby to be able to shake your hand. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we spent in your house. We thank you for the sermon, Lord, and, and for the word that was brought before us, Lord. And pray that you would just help all of us as we move forward to uh, move past the infant stage of our Christianity and, and start feasting on the meat of God's word. In Jesus' name, amen.